Salutations, my friends. And thank you for tuning in to another edition of Factions of Freedom. I'm your host, Noise Aaron, Freedom Faction, whichever one you prefer. And I have titled this episode, Restructuring Power, Gearing Up for Political Unrest, and Evolving Warfare. Why? We have a whole lot of different things to talk to you guys about. The Hong Kong protests coming to an end, the restructuring that's going on in California, as well as Hillary Clinton essentially aligning herself to start running. I assure you, it's going to happen. And in the final segment, we're going to be talking about advances in technological warfare and so much more. But before we do so, a few quick updates. As I've been alluding to, we will be having a Paranormal Perspective Volume 8 for next week's episode. I hope you guys submitted your stories, and I hope you tune into Fellowship and Freedom this Sunday. Also, the episode we did with Carolina Rocha of Sunlight Nutrition is now available. You can find that in the link in the description bar below. As well as the Secrets of Freemasonry minicast that we did earlier this week. Part 2 is only available for our exclusive members. And with it being said, let's start the show. Salutations, my friends, and thank you for tuning in to another edition of Factions of Freedom. I'm your host, Noise Era, Freedom Faction, whichever one you prefer, and this is show number 916, season 9, episode 16. You know, I find myself having a hard time trying to figure out how to intro these shows. You guys don't understand how it takes at least two or three or four several different times to try to get it. But one of the things that I find myself coming back to as I shuffle through these notes right here, not only the ones from Instagram Live that we did earlier this week with you, but the Sunday episode we did with Ezekiel Reyes, a Black Sun Organite who's operating on Instagram Live as Revolution. Uh, but also the notes that we have with our frequent or our, our, our first-time guest, Carolina Rocha of Sunlight Nutrition, which you guys can find in the description bar below. What I find myself... Uh, coming back to when looking at these notes is how much information is out there. What's actually going on? What is the purpose of shows like ours? What is the purpose of, of collecting this much data, looking at this much information, breaking down this many topics, having this kind of analysis, and really trying to put this type of stuff out here? What is the purpose of this? You see. And I mean this in kind of like a facetious kind of way, a facetious tongue-in-cheek type of way. But I, 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 I say, how can people truly understand what's going on? I mentioned this earlier this week. I had talked about how we, listen, how we look at over 100 different news outlets every single day. And I try to what, bring you 10% posts, at least like 10 or 12 posts, if that, if I can get up to there. Maybe nine, just to, you know, not, not be hovering over my phone all the time. How can people truly know what's going on? We live in a day and age of information overload. They are lost. You can't blame them. We're, we're, we're in a state of confusion. We're awash with information and data. Not knowledge and wisdom, mind you, and this is what's important. Because I don't, I don't think what we're doing is very special. I really don't. I really, I, I, I'm learning to appreciate it. But I feel like the only thing that's different about what we do is we try to take the time to keep it at a level of real. I can't put on airs, uh, as you guys have seen me do on Instagram Live. Sometimes my chickens peck the window, or you'll hear the dogs bark. You know, I, I, I sometimes let out obscenities. I'm not a, I, I can't put on airs like that. There's nothing special about what we do 
other than being honest with you. People think this is virtue signaling or doing it for the likes and things like this. No, 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 no. That's not how this happened. This happened from being honest, organic, and real, and committed. That's why I talk about the sophistication about what we're covering, the way that we're approaching things, and so much more. But how, uh, it's not about what we're doing. Let's, let's, let's get back to the information-addicted aspect, the information overload, and how some people truly don't know what to pay attention to. They're lost, and can you blame them? And what we're doing, we, we, we think we have the key. But this is the point of being able to humble yourself and learn from others. This is why we have so many guests on, why we need to get back to having debates and discussions so we can uh, have, 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 have talks with people that we don't agree with so we can begin to, to learn the breadcrumbs in between. But what's the point of all this information, these things going on? It gets back to the overwhelming change that we see taking place. I talk about it all the time, how we use these tools of enslavement as tools of enlightenment. How we have to be the architects of our own futures. And that's a kind of a plug, tongue-in-cheek plug to Architect Goddess, who was an actual architect. And then she decided to become an architect of her future and help build better bodies. And then begin to help other people build better bodies, because that's what it's about, being the architect of your future. I asked you this most recently. Uh, who offers you your future? Is it Google? Is it Fedbook? Is it Instagram Live? Is it any of these things? Who offers you your future? You have to build these things. But in a time of information overload where people can get lost in the wash of information, lost in the wash of content and mindless idiocy, it's hard for people to truly discern what that purpose is. How can you discern? You have to go to, you have to, you really have to go to a quiet place in your mind and in your life to really figure out who you are at your core. A lot of people get lost. You're supposed to be, you're supposed to grow. You're supposed to transform into completely different versions of yourself. You see, what was the coffin for the caterpillar became the bedrock for the, for the butterfly. It became the, 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 the launching pad for the butterfly, you see. That's how this works. But the information, let's get back to that. What are people consuming? What do they think they're transfer, transforming into? What are they being programmed to do? This is one of the questions we got asked earlier this week. How to deprogram yourself. It's because people understand these things. They understand at a, a conscious and subconscious level they're being programmed. But how do you program yourself? It's not so much about being able to deprogram yourself. The damage has been done. How do you program yourself with better habits? Better behaviors? You see, how do you control your own thinking? We talk about things such as neuroplasticity, emotional control, emotional awareness, emotional intelligence, and so much more. So many different things. Being able to control your mind, restructuring your brain. How do you program yourself? Do you take the time for yourself? Do you give yourself 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour? I tell you guys as well, uh, even when I go to the gym, that's not meditation that's not prayer yeah it could be considered a form of therapy for sure but it's not the other aspects that need to be worked at so you see what i mean by programming yourself but not letting others this is something that i had discussed with our most recent guest uh, ezekiel reyes about how a lot of these self-help gurus and these people that offer you treat uh, retreats and gimmicky products and lame things it, it, it always goes back to self-development self-help 
because you have to do the inner work. They just provide you with the necessary tools and the right kind of uh, cognitive behavioral therapy that puts you in the right, the right state of mind. You see, they sequester you, and when, and instead of you sequestering your own time, putting your own, time, your, your own self away, they sequester you and provide you with the facility that you need to create those healthy spaces to help your own self grow. But do you see how it always comes back to you, self, what the individual needs to do? And that's what I mean by how do you program yourself in this day and age of information? How do you know what you know? And what are you teaching yourself and others? Because believe it or not, we can all learn from you. And with that being said, let's start the show. So... It seems like we've had a very, very interesting week, nonetheless. And if you guys want to check out those episodes, uh, the minicast that we did, you can find that in the description bar below, as well as the uh, episode we did with Carolina Rocha of Sunlight Nutrition. Pretty, pretty powerful. In the first half, she was joined us. She, for the first hour, she joined us. And in the second half, we just hit it hard with articles. But I would definitely recommend you guys go check it out in the description bar below. Uh, but we had a pretty, pretty interesting week, I'd like to think, we're going to be talking about in this segment uh, this, something's going on in California. Something is going on in California, and that makes me very, very, uh, ma- makes me worried because a decent amount of our listen- listenership is there. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg also appeared before Congress again to talk about just the, the essentially the influence of Facebook. We can add as many different words as we want, uh, but he's talking about economic inequality, civil rights, and so much more. Uh, But we're going to start this episode off actually talking about relatively good news. Apparently, the extradition bill in Hong Kong, it was passed. This is the reason that they've been having these months-long protests. But let's get into this article right here. It's from Sound of the Times. They put this up October 23rd. It says, Hong Kong officially kills controversial extradition bill while China plans to replace Carrie Lam. So this is a temporary victory, if you ask me. Uh, They're going to scrap the bill, but they're going to replace the leader Let's get into this. It says Hong Kong authorities have formally withdrawn the unpopular extradition bill that sparked a months-long protest movement. The semi-autonomous province's leader, Carrie Lam, had initially proposed the bill in February to resolve a case involving a man wanted for murder in Taiwan who could not be sent to face charges because there was no extradition agreement. However, the proposal sparked widespread fears that residents would be at risk of being sent to mainland China to face the state's Communist Party-controlled courts prompting protests that have, that have engulfed the territory between citizens and the police. Yeah, people from Hong Kong didn't want to be sent to China for having their organs harvested for being political dissidents because they do that. And in the second segment, we're going to be talking about how they're breaking down churches again in China. This is what they do. They arrest people, they harvest their organs, and they sell them on the black market. So I, that's, that's why we supported the people of Hong Kong not wanting that extradition bill. It's just a, 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 it is a backdoor it is a backdoor globalist agreement uh, to, to, to take people. But continuing on, it says, Now, after assurances from Ms. Lamb in September that the bill would be scraped in the next meeting of the state's legislative council, it has been formally withdrawn by, by Secretary for Security John Lee. In July, with the city crippled by a summer of disruption, Ms. Lamb said the government's work on the legislation had been, quote, a total failure and declared the controversial bill dead, stopping short of a full withdrawal. But despite having now met what was the central demand of protesters when their demonstrations began in March, it is unlikely that the move will deter further conflict. 
The goals of the movement have shifted to securing independence from China and the resignation of Miss Lam. Action is frequently accompanied by the chant, quote, five demands, not one less, in reference to the possible removal of the bill. Quote, there aren't any big differences between suspension and withdrawal of the extradition bill. It's too little, too late, said protester Connie, 27, hours before the withdrawal. There are still other demands that the government needs to meet, especially the problem of police brutality. The move comes amid, chi amid reports China will seek to replace Ms. Lam with an interim chief executive for the province in an attempt to quell protests. So basically what they're saying is, we'll give you what you want, but you have to give us carry. She may have been lenient with you, but we'll find somebody that won't be lenient in the future. So at the time, I want to say thank you, Hong Kongers, and pray for, pray, pray, pray for the worst, hope for the best, pass the ammunition, because that's, that's all I'm going to say is reload. Who knows what's going to come after this? And, and, and I guess I just get this image, because we had talked about earlier this week, the protests in Lebanon and the, protest in the state of martial law in Chile, this, this, this spirit of upheaval that is just consuming the entire planet. I love it. It's a spirit of revolution. But I also fear what it will bring. You see, martial law. And so we'll, we'll, we're going to keep an eye on what's going on with the protests in Chile and London. Uh, but let's get back over here into America and start really discussing, you know, the because I wanted to intro that. Since we've been following the Hong Kong protest, I figured I'd give you guys a good update on what's going on with that. Uh, but let's come back up over here to America with the restructuring of the power. This is something that really, really kind of makes me raise a few different eyebrows. And there are two different articles that popped up that, again, just make me, make me very, very suspicious. It says right here, PG&E warns Californians of, eight, of, of 10 years of power shutoffs. This is put up by Max Lavo of SDHF Plan. They put this up October 21st. And essentially what we're talking about is Agenda 2030 of 10 years of power cuts, 10 years of power rationing, 10 years. And we've, 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 we've gradually talked about this in so many different ways that to see it kind of manifest and pop up like this is kind of very, uh, very, very interesting uh, and foreboding to me. But let's get into this. It says California residents are facing up to a decade of widespread precautionary power shutoffs until Pacific Gas and Electric Corp, uh, the bankrupt utility giant, will be able to prevent its power transmission lines from, from sparking fires, the company's top officials said. Californians could experience power shutoffs for the next 10 years. For the next 10 years. For the next 10 years. And, 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 I, and I, I think I joked about... Um, here, I'm going to try to pull up, pull up a video for you guys. But I think I joked about, you know, people not being able to have Starbucks in California... And, you know, and I say that, and I said that earlier, you know, give them, give them Netflix and Grubhub and, and they'll never revolt. But this is, to me, very, very dangerous uh, on so many different ways because we should not be having a country basically browning out frequently like this, you see. And so what's going to end up happening is they're going to introduce green technology to, to essentially combat this. You're, you're going to have to have, like, renewable energy, sustainable development. Uh, renewable technology stuff that can that can be able to hold this i mean you hold the energy and keep the keep the state back on point i mean good lord think about it they're having fires power outages and so much more that it's ridiculous uh and for people that don't know uh if you're tuning in for the first time just last week 
uh, California was experiencing power outages. I'll play for you guys this quick video. It comes from Sign of the Times. They put this up, up October 10th, but they say this is ridiculous. Residents fume over power outage in Northern California. More than half a million California homes and workplaces had no electricity Wednesday. It's an unprecedented power cut to fight wildfires by the state's largest utility, PG&E. Across north and central parts of the state, traffic signals went dark, businesses shut, and schools had to close. They're afraid strong winds could down power lines and start wildfires in extremely dry weather. Those same conditions contributed to the campfire last year, the deadliest and most destructive blaze in California's history. Utility authorities say a second phase of the power cuts is due to extend to more than 200,000 customers, and it could sweep to southern parts of the state depending on how strong the winds get. In the northern Californian town of Vacaville, gas stations were shut, and busy traffic junctions were working on an honor system. The traffic lights aren't working here, so that, that I think, is, is bizarre because hopefully people will behave and, and be kind. And You can only hope that people would be, be kind. Uh, but let me get back into this article. Uh, it says, Chief Executive William D. Johnson said at an emergency meeting Friday of, of the California Public Utilities Commission in San Francisco that 10 years is a probable timeline. Quote, I think this is probably a 10-year timeline to get a, to a point where it's really ratcheted down significantly. Of course, that, that isn't sitting well with Californians or politicians. Between June and early October, PG&E carried out four power shutoffs in an attempt to prevent wildfires for, for which the company is being sued for. The largest and most criticized outage was from October 10th or October 9th through October 12th. This shutoff, the, from the video that we just played you, uh, this shutoff ended up affecting 738,000 customers in 35 counties radiating outward from Sacramento from the Sacramento area. Quote, what we saw play out at, by PG&E last week cannot be repeated, Commission President uh, Mary Bell Betier said Friday, according to the, prepared, to the prepared remarks. Quote, the loss of power endangered lives and imposes additional burdens on our most vulnerable populations. Food spoiled, traffic signals died, and cell phones faded out. School and businesses came to a standstill and frustrations grew into concerns over safety as, as hospitals switched to emergency generators. Quote, PG&E was not fully prepared to manage such a large-scale power shutoff, said Batyer. During the, during the planned outage, the utility's cr website crashed and customers uns unsuccessfully tried to reach the utility by any means for information, according to the Los Angeles Times. Even though Batyer says that this cannot be repeated, PG&E is warning that not only will this be repeated, but there is likely to be 10 more years of this repetition. And to me, I find that mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. Not only, like, not only, not only do I get this crazy image of, of, I get this image of just, of, of, of bedlam, of chaos, of just nothing good. I really can't think of anything good. 10 years. I guess I, I just get this image of, of of so much crazy stuff going on. Like this is, it, it blows my mind, okay? What I'm really trying to say is that we've already seen California take gradual steps to being in alignment with Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030. And to see something like this, PG&E, after being sued for billions of dollars and being being exposed for causing the fires in 2015, 17, and 2018, and even today... What I'm essentially trying to tell you is that this is why California is going to go green. 
And I think that a lot of people get caught up in the conspiratorial aspect of, oh, look at the look at the directed energy weapons, look at the chemtrails, look at the stuff like that. I understand that. But look at the environment, look at the real, true environmental, the socioeconomic and the sociopolitical ramifications of this. The people that are going to be living in these counties, these 35 different counties, they're not going to want to be living in a state having to ration off energy. But that's where sustainable development comes in. As we said before, resource management. Uh, in the future, maybe I'll go back and I'll figure out that article that talks about how they're going to begin rationing off electricity and rationing off water because this is it. If you're going to be trying to get your state back on point, especially with the people that are going to be moving in, let's we don't let's. I know people don't want to think about the migrants, but think about all the different resources and all the other things that are going to that that, that we have to set aside for them. You see, the facilities that are going to be needed. Uh, the treatment that, that they're going to have to have. All these different things come into this. And if we're already buckling, if there's already going to be issues here and they're saying there's going to be 10 years of this, think about the damage that's going to cause. That's 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 all I'm saying. And I'll we'll, we'll, we'll be able to discuss this in depth and deep in, in the future. But for now, let's get back to this next article. This comes from Tyler Durden of Zero Hedge. They put this up October 23rd. It says, over 1 million Californians may be affected by an imminent fire prevention blackout. Californians will once again get to enjoy a pre-industrial lifestyle this week as, a, as, as state utilities gear up for another round of, inter, of intentional blackouts aimed at reducing the risk of fires, according to Bloomberg, while PG&E claims that over to 1 million residents may be impacted by the shutoffs. On Wednesday, PG&E will begin cutting power to approximately 179,000 different California households in 17 fire-prone areas, beginning at 2 p.m. The outages include Alpine, Amador, Butte, Calvaleras, El Dorado. I'm not going to put all these counties here, but if you guys want to go check out the article, you can. It says, further south, Edison International's Southern California utility announced that over... 162,000 different customers may be affected by a similar blackout, while Semper Energy may cut power to 24,000. Good Lord. The potential for an outage comes at at a time of year when the landscape is dry and fires spark and spread easily. Uh, Northerly winds are expected to pick up Wednesday evening into Thursday morning in the hills of the East Bay and North Bay, delivering critical fire risks. Winds between 35 and 45 miles per hour and some 55 miles per gusts in localized areas our forecast for Sonoma and Napa counties. Uh, blah, 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 blah. PG&E had originally planned on cutting power to, to more than 209,000 households before dialing back the number. Oh, wow. They have provided the following website for those who may be act- impacted. Hopefully it doesn't go down this time. And they say that tongue-in-cheek because it went down last time. People went to them looking for answers, and they couldn't. The website went down. So, again, just think about this. Just think about this. Sanctuary cities. You know, no gun control laws. I just mentioned to you guys beforehand, you know, how we're in the, uh, how we're in the days of Gotham. You know, how, how if you think about it, with where society is at, the, 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 the world and the landscape that's being created, it's very dangerous. But think about this. California just browning out. Having these, these, these regular intentional blackouts, I'm telling you. This is this is where you're going to have all kinds of different people come in from the climate change aspect, talking about renewable energy, sustainable development, and so much more. Uh, but this is it, this is this is crazy to me. It truly is. But do people can people live in a world like this if businesses are coming to a standstill, schools aren't working, 
you know, uh, there's there's traffic's going by an honor system in California. Are you kidding me? That's going to create bedlam and chaos. I really, really am kind of at a loss to what to say. Uh, but just think about this. What kind of world that's going to create? The damages. Again, just resource management, monitoring things like this as well. Can society move forward like this? What I'm gradually trying to talk to you guys about is... Uh, is, is essentially what the Extinction Rebellion leader talked about just the other week, bringing governments down, collapsing governments. This is uh, kind of a, 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 a pivot to our next article where we talk about Extinction Rebellion and how they cost $37 million more dollars, more than twice the annual budget for combating violent crime in London. So think about this. We're, we're, we're in a world these days where a, cat, where a state literally is browning out not blacking out, but browning out, you know, being able to come back on, turning back off. It's browning out. It's unable to essentially pay its bill or can't find, like, somebody that's able to, 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 to run the system appropriately. But you have all these people pushing climate change, protesting, all this other nonsense that's going on out there. But at the same time, because somebody has to make sure chaos doesn't come, come, come looking for these people, that chaos doesn't happen, something doesn't just trigger, they have to police these people, make sure... You know, chaos doesn't unfold. But it costs money to do that, and they're wasting resources. So you see, they literally cannot afford, we cannot afford this type of nonsense. The same way that Ben, uh, uh, ben Carson, yeah, Ben Carson, Dr. Benjamin Carson, said earlier this, earlier this week that political correctness is ruining this country. This is it, the same way. This, these protests and this, this uselessness, it's destroying states. Look at where people are putting their money. We're talking about the, their criminal. They're already trying to criminalize homelessness in California. What type of programs are going? I, I I digress. Let me get in this article right here. My point behind following up after talking about what's going on in California with this Extinction Rebellion protest is the climate change, environmental, sustainable, sustainable development, uh, resource management aspect of this. You see, because humans are the true resource. Uh, but right here, this is from Sun of the Times. They put this up October 23rd. It says, Policing the Extinction Rebellion protest has cost Scotland Yard 37 euros, or 37 pounds. So far this year, it has caused other investigations to be closed down. Metro Metropolitan Police Commissioner Chris Cressida Dick said on Tuesday that the cost of the two-week protest action this month had, a, had cost 27 or 21 Pounds. Oh, wow, 21 million pounds. A bill set to rise by several million pounds. Wow. This includes 3.5 million for overtime, just under 6 million for officers who were drafted in from 38 other forces in England and Wales, 11.8 million staffing costs. Protest action by, by Extinction Rebellion in April cost the Met 16 million, meaning the bill so far this year is 37 million, more than twice the annual budget of its violent crime task force. The annual budget for its violent crime task force is 15 million. Scotland Yard's figures suggest that so far this year there have been 1,100 or uh, over 100, over 115 different homicides in London compared to 112 at the same time in 2018. This includes 77 stabbings and nine shootings, which basically basically they're saying, if anything. Uh, all those violent knife attacks, they really kind of pale, pale in comparison to all of the, the protests. Uh, but anyway, Dame Cressida said the policing of climate change group had put a horrendous strain on the force, and as a result, some of its other investigations were either being done slowly or, in the worst case scenario, not at all. 
she said, quote, we are certainly at a point where I would say to Extinction Rebellion, this is, this is placing a horrendous strain on London and on the Met. From the Met's point of view, a big cost to us is the people who pay for us. Huge drain on our people's resources and energy, causing their families to have to make massive changes in their personal arrangements. Frankly, a less good service to the rest of London, partly because people get tired and partly because we just had to slow down certain types of inquiries. Certain types of investigations would just not be done more slowly, and some things will never be done at all. Met bosses will apply to the home office to the home office to cover the cost of the protest action. Nearly eight thousand Metropolitan Police officers were deployed during the October action by Extinction Rebellion, with twenty one thousand asked to work twelve hour shifts for the part of the fortnight. So think about that. The protests are literally draining and collapsing governments, collapsing people. And changing everything. Is that not what the Extinction Rebellion said? That he, or what the leader said? That he wanted to collapse governments? And that yes, some people may die in the process. Isn't that, isn't that what he said? Better yet, let's hear it from him. We are going to force the governments to act. And if we don't, if they don't, we'll bring them down and create a democracy fit for purpose. And yes, some may die in the process. So, yes, he did say that. So the point behind that is, as I said before, socioeconomic reformation, socio-political restructuring, the restructuring of power, the will of the people, a mob mentality. But if this is just one year, what happens next year? We explained to you guys earlier, or in the, in the previous episode, we talked about how just in London and in New York, we saw different uh, factions of the Extinction Rebellion, different groups of, the, of, of them. We found out that there are over 30 different, 30 different branches in 30 different countries seven in all, on all seven continents, and they have all kinds of different chapters. Now think about this. This is one year, one coordinated group. Now these are, again, those eco-fascists I keep telling you about. And so we've already talked about in California how they're beginning to monitor people, how they will begin to monitor people's electric, electrical consumption. They will do that. They have to. If, if, you're, if you're working with a bankrupt power company, they're going to begin to monitor everything afterwards as they begin to switch over. And so that's whenever, again, resource management comes in, watching all this other stuff, uh, po- uh, looking at your consumption versus your production, your carbon footprint, greenhouse gas emissions, and all of these other things. This is that morally conscious, virtue-signaled, climate change-oriented world, you see. But think about that. These protests are literally draining, draining, draining cities, messing with governments. They are following through with what they're doing. That's why it's very, 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 very coordinated, very, very organized. This whole climate change agenda, all of it, it is very, very sophisticated. And that's what people need to understand. It's not just a bunch of hippies, not a bunch of burnouts, not a bunch of people just sitting around hitting the didgeridoo. Passing the peace pipe. These are very, very sophisticated people, and these are just the drone, the the drone level foot soldiers of them. But think about this, because we are talking about the socioeconomic reformation, the socio political reformation, and so much more. Uh, the Free Thought Project put out a, a, a lot of great articles this week, uh, two of which we'll actually get into. But this first one, it, it ties into the socioeconomic reformation and why some of these protests are taking place. Uh, people can't work. People, people, the, we're, we're, we're working with a dying system, nonetheless. Um, you know, I was talking about this earlier today, how there are lawyers that are Uber drivers, 
you have some you have a uh, uh, you have some lawyers that are that are Grubhub drivers. You have uh, architects. You have all kinds of different people who have who are very well educated, who have masters, bachelors, associates. You know, they have their PhDs even, and they do regular day things because sometimes what they went to school for, there's not there's not a position there for it. That's why we have so many different things happening. But what I'm trying to talk about is right here, this article that comes from the Free Thought Project, it says the working poor, 50% of American workers make less than $33,000 a year. And what we're, what we're talking about is the, is, is the paycheck-to-paycheck lifestyle. Let's be honest. And that's, that's, that's getting back to where we're at today. That's why people are pushing for things like universal basic income. Uh, that's why all these government programs are being set up. That's why they're they're straining the American dollar, but at the same time using all of our money to 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 build these taxpayer uh, taxpayer funded programs. But that's why we're seeing that whole shift in consciousness because there's not a whole lot out there these days for the go getter. When we have so many different people uh, building, or at least so many different people taking part in this social in in this social experiment, you're going to see a lot of different things shift. Uh, this is why we see groupthink being employed. But let me get into this article right here. It says, the truth is that most American families are deeply struggling, but you hardly ever hear this from the mainstream media. Yes, about 10% of all American workers are making $100,000 or more a year, but most of those high-paying jobs are concentrated in major cities along the east and west coasts. For much of the rest of the country, these are very challenging times as the cost of living soars, but their paychecks do not. According to the Social Security Administration, the median income in the United States last year was just about $32,838.05. In other words, 50% of American workers made more than $32,838.05, and 50% of American workers made less than that in 2018. Uh, let's be generous and round that number up to 33000 And when you break it down on a monthly basis, it comes out to about 27000 or 2700 a month, 2750 a month. Uh, of course, nobody can support a middle-class lifestyle of four on $2,750,000 a month before taxes. And so in most families, more than one person is working these days. In fact, in many families today, more than one person is working multiple jobs in a desperate attempt to make ends meet. And it is still often not quite enough. Yeah, even, even doing this, I'm not, I hardly make any money doing this. Let me go ahead and tell you guys, do not do this if you think you're going to make money. That's why the, that's why we don't have all the views and all the likes and the listens, because we're not selling out. We're real. I'm not doing this for the likes, the cash, the money, none of it. I'm doing this out of the, essentially the kindness of my heart, all out of pocket. Good Lord. <laughs> I, I end up some, oh, I don't even want to talk to you guys about the, the business structure of this, but yes, and you know, this is sometimes why we have to confront this and why we have to have these, these, these conversations about why we have to talk about money, why we have to change our approach towards it, how we have to make money work for us instead of slaving for the almighty dollar. But continuing on, it says, if you want to look at the Social Security wages statistics for yourself, you can find them right there. Go to the website. And as you will see, I am not making these numbers up. These days, many would feel would have us feel bad if we're not making at least $100,000 a year. But according to the report, only 10% of all American workers make that much don't make that much money. Instead, most Americans in what I would call the barely getting by category. And so it has statistics that are there. 
And it basically goes on to say that it means approximately that two-thirds of all Americans are making $4,000 or less a month before taxes. And it's true. We're all struggling. And we've talked about this before, the, the, how financial stress leads to emotional and mental stress. And that's the point. But why is this in the restructuring segment? Why are we talking about this on the heels of protesters out there collapsing governments? Well, who has the time to protest? Who has the time to protest? You see? That's why, we're de- that's why you have a lot of people out there demanding that the government pay for everything because there's nothing out here within the civilian world that can really provide that lifestyle. This is why you hear, that, and as I've talked about time and time again, bringing, in, bringing Trump in to give us the illusion that capitalism will come back, that we'll get these higher paying jobs, that we can, air quotes, make America great again, just for them to slam him down and usher in this globalism and this, this, this new form of communism. And that's what we're talking about in so many different ways. And that's why I'm, I'm, I, myself, am always trying to figure out what is a better way to do this? What is a better way, not necessarily to cheat the system, but to, to, to be aware of what my talents and my skills can do? This is why I push for that pro-human, renaissance-based future, where we recognize that each individual has something that we can bring to the table. This is why I advocate for so many different, con- for, 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 for so many different things in the conscious media realm, the renaissance creating things, getting involved in, 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 in peer-to-peer uh, business, and so much more. But this is a different, different discussion, uh, or it's the same one. You know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily sure. My point behind saying this is that we have to understand, during this whole socioeconomic reformation, we're going to begin to see a whole lot of different things change. What we think of as important, what we, where we put our time and our money, where we put our, our energy, where our philosophies are, what our, our politics become, and so much more. You know, uh, this, this is why I would consider myself a, a classical liberal, but due to the times that we're in, I'm having to become a conservative or even like a libertarian or, like a, or any of this stuff because of where things are, and it shifts. But my point behind saying all of these different things, gang, is to is to tell you that you have to be aware of these things. You have to be aware of the shift that is happening so that you can preempt it. This is, this is why you see the rise of Bitcoin. This is why you see the rise of things like Shopify, Etsy, uh, Amazon dropshipping, and so much more. This is why you see people coming up with CBD oil businesses, getting involved in, in, in organic businesses, holistic approaches, changing what tools and services and products they can offer because that's what it's about. That is that renaissance. They kind of get swept up underneath the rug. But I'll tell you what, because here's, here's the crazy part about it. The things that get swept up underneath the rug are usually the things that are most watched. And what do I mean by that? Well, earlier this week, because we're talking about money and we're talking about the socioeconomic reformation and so much more, earlier this week, Mark Zuckerberg testified in Congress saying that Libra, and this is just so, it's so crazy, Things are getting so crazy these days that Libra, his cryptocurrency, his Bitcoin, his Fedcoin could help end economic inequality. I'm going to play for you guys this quick clip and then I'll get into this article. I know you've got uh, at least 100 lawyers that will tell you that what you're doing is legal and that you will be safe. But given the harm that this can do, they could be very wrong. And if this explodes the way it might, uh, especially you will not be able to hide behind the idea that you didn't create the Libra organization, that it's just your business partners 
that have wallets designed for drug dealers and terrorists. Um, I, uh, I have a few more things to say, but for the richest man in the world to come here and hide behind the poorest people in the world and say that's who you're really trying to help. You're trying to help those for whom the dollar is not a good currency. Drug dealers, terrorists, tax evaders. Huh. So I, I definitely still, I would recommend that you guys go check out the full testimony because I, I, I have to make through it myself. But it's always very interesting seeing Zuckerbot um, in front of Congress doing this type of stuff because we get hardly any insights into what's going on with FedBook, for sure. But we also have to be aware of what's, what's going to happen. And what I ta- and essentially what I'm trying to say is think about working, working at your job, collecting your money, your dollars, your things like this, and then you get on FedBook and then you convert them to Libra coins. And then there you go. You just buy stuff via FedBook and then FedBook becomes even more powerful. What I'm essentially saying is that Libra will convert every single dollar into its own money. It will convert it. It will become a new currency. We're in the days of, of the mark of the beast, of the cashless society, and so much more. In the, in the, in the final segment, we're going to be talking about implantable, implantable microchips and things like this as well. We're in those days. But when you have Zuckerbot doing these types of things, announcing these, these, these plans, you have to know what that means. Look at how much influence FedBook has already. Now imagine if it got inside of the cryptocurrency market, and imagine what these people who preach economic prosperity, sustainable development, Look at all of what they look at what they preach and then look at what they offer. They become the architects of the future. But let me get in this article right here. We put this up October 23rd. It's from Tyler Durden of Zero Hedge. It says uh, Zuckerberg to testify that Libra digital currency could help end economic inequality. And it says three hours into the hearing, it seems like early predictions were correct. Lawmakers seem to be struggling, seem to struggle with the hearing stated topic and instead wheedled Zuckerberg with questions about Facebook's commitment to human rights and its plan for safeguarding the next election. <laughs> One interesting thread that some of the Democrats, including Texas Representative Al Green and Ohio Representative Joyce Be- uh, Beatty, managed to tease out while Zuckerberg tried to pitch Libra as a, tool, as a tool for bolstering economic equality and inclusion for the world's poor and unbanked, it seems that the company hasn't included many minorities or the economically disadvantaged in the creation or operation of the product. Another lawmaker accused Zuck of using this benevolent posturing as a subterfuge for building a system that will enable drug dealers and criminals. And another blistering exchange that leftists commentators are praising for aggressively holding Zuck accountable on civil rights, it was a it was a largely incoherent bid to create politically useful subtitles or sound bites. Uh, Representative Betty pressed Zuck about the company's efforts to champion civil rights. So to end with some humor, another Republican lawmaker compares Zuck to President Trump as a comment, uh, saying that it's a compliment, blah, 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 blah. And so basically what, what we're beginning to talk about, or what we're going to see, jeez, <laughs> what we're going to see is just that. This is, this is political theater, if you ask me. This is nonsense. Zuck's going to get the okay. He's going to get the green light. He's going to create this Libra coin the same way that they're already creating a brain machine interface, the same way that you have these people creating the cashless society and all this other nonsense. He's going to get the green light. They're going to they're going to preach it as if it's this 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 great leveling tool. It'll become the standard, right? And then it'll it'll 
it'll change everything. It'll it'll be the gap in between. And so I'm not a I'm not a market major. I'm not a business major. I'm not somebody that knows all those types of numbers and stuff like that. I just get this weird image of Fedbook doing what it always does or what it has done, acting as if it is the level the leveler, using Orwellian alchemy, acting as if it is a fair and playing level ground, only so that it can dictate the rights and the regulations of the money and the, and the way that people can operate it there. And so, basically what I'm saying these days is we're in the days of the mark of the beast. This is the new world order. And despite what you may think, these people are gradually figuring out a way to take your useless dollars, to take your, to take your credited cash, because that's what this is all on, right? It's all credit-based anyway. doesn't matter. <laughs> They're trying to figure out a way to make you think that your dollar matters more, but at the same time, track everything else. That's what the whole point of Bitcoin. And, and, and we, we already talked about uh, Google's quantum supremacy, how they have this quantum computer that's able to crack all these codes. There's an article that came out this week about how they're able to crack a, 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 a puzzle that's 10,000 years old in a few minutes. That's where we're at. So if people think encryption with Bitcoin is going to happen, I don't know what to tell you. And if you add, and if you add Fedbook behind it as well, that <laughs> that's where we're at. So the whole idea is to give people during this whole socioeconomic reformation a way out. That's why you see Bitcoin rising. That's why you see Litecoin rising, Silvercoin, Hempcoin, all these other things. That's why it's, 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 it's a part of this. But another thing that happened this week in relation to Fedbook that really hardly got any attention is this Cambridge Analytical whistleblower that said that Facebook is the biggest threat to democracy. And yes, because it, proposed, it, it, it passes itself off as if it's a publisher, it says it's a free it's a free speech platform that it's all for democracy and it passes itself as a platform, but really it's like a tyrannical fascist system to where if you don't say what it does, an, an authoritarian technocratic system to where if you don't operate within their community guidelines, they kick you out. You're unpleasant. You're unable to operate on the platform. You're unable to get access to any of the, the real world. Unable to make money. Unable to do anything. That's what's crazy. It is the biggest threat to democracy and reality. This is, this is, again, more of that mark of the beast nonsense. You will not be able to buy it nor sell unless you receive the mark. Let me get into this. They put this up uh, October 23rd. It's from Activist Post. Uh, it says, a Cambridge Analytica whistleblower has come forward to say that Facebook is a bigger threat to our democracy than foreign actors attempting to, quote, meddle in the elections. Quote, Facebook is actually the biggest threat to our democracy, not just foreign actors. Brittany Kaiser tells C CNBC. Kaiser, a former director at Cambridge Analytica, who came forward to The Guardian in March 2018 to share information on the practices of the now-defunct political consulting firm. She left the company after a few years of work in January of 2018. Kaiser's disclosure came shortly after a different whistleblower stepped forward with information igniting a scandal that brought down Cambridge Analytica and resulted in the Federal Trade Commission finding Fedbook 15 months later $5 billion for mishandling the data. Cambridge Analytica whistleblower Brittany Kaiser told CNBC on Tuesday that, face, that Fedbook's approach to political advertising is why they pose a threat to the American democracy. Quote, I say, that, I say that specifically because it was only two weeks ago that Mark Zuckerberg decide, decided that Fedbook is not going to censor politicians that are spreading disinformation, weaponizing racial hatred, and even using voter suppression tactics, argued Kaiser, whose memoir, Targeted, was released Tuesday. Kaiser's main, uh, Kaiser's main complaint is that Fedbooks refuse, refuses to censor politicians, while others would argue that the bigger problem is the censorship of everyone else.
back in September. As the 2020 United States presidential elections approaches, FedBook said it would not, that it will not fact-check or remove content posted by politicians even if it is in violation of the company's rules. Basically, CNN, another propaganda outlet, declared something false, declared something false, the propaganda campaign that was used against Joe Biden's campaign demanded it be removed. Facebook said it didn't want to censor politicians, the ruling class, and the elites. Censorship is for everyone else, because that's exactly what it is. In an open and free society, and in a, better yet, in an empire of lies, truth is treason. You would think that in this open and free society, this democracy that, that they preach about, we would have the ability to be able to express our ideas and express our thoughts. But these days, they just censor those, those opinions that they don't like. Because that's right. The censorship is for you. It's not for everybody else. <laughs> why, would, why would it be for everybody else? You see, and so that's what I mean by the restructuring of power. So from California essentially browning out, changing itself into... Uh, this it, it it will be it will be transformed into a green into a green state. The simplest way to tell you, tell you, from California transforming into a green state, where they focus on the green agenda, to all the other stuff that we're seeing going on. I think everybody can understand that the days we're moving into are becoming increasingly crazy. But it's because there's a plan to it. This is organized chaos on so many levels. But here's what's going to happen, gang. Talking about the restructuring of power, and we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back. We're to be talking about things like Hillary Clinton and all these other big name people that you see in the media hardly getting any attention. No one's really talked about. No one's no one's talked about Obama. No one's talked about the Soros family, and clearly no one has talked about Assange. But we're to be doing that and more on the other side, ladies and gentlemen. Don't go anywhere. This is Freedom Faction, Factions of Freedom, and we'll be right back right after this. Oh, <laughs> 
That's right. We're back. Welcome back. You know, I, I remember a few seasons ago, we, we one of the first episodes we had opened the season up with was trumping in the technocracy. And, you know, I, I, I truly didn't think that that word, or at least that sentence, would have so much of an impact uh, on my present day thinking, because that's exactly where we're at, where we are. You know, in the segment, gearing up for political unrest, not civil unrest, political unrest. In this segment, we're going to be getting into people like Obama, like Alexander Soros, like Julian Assange, like Hillary Clinton, like Donald Trump. You know, I, I, I didn't think about, when I had titled the episode, uh, Trumping in the Technocracy, that it would have these kind of connotations. You know, people don't really understand how we... we, we how how social media truly is like a social engineering program. Uh, it is a mind control program on, on a massive scale. And we're all just witness to it sitting back, watching it. And I say that because of the dangers behind it as well. You know, no one's, as I said before, no one's talked about Julian Assange. Hillary Clinton is literally being through Orwellian alchemy being projected onto the public. And as much as people don't want to believe it, she's going to run. <laughs> I really didn't think that with the trumping and the technocracy that we would see so many different things of the technocracy being created. Some people are gradually, I think, I think the best, I'll say, I, I don't want to say Trump's a Trojan horse, but I think people have to understand the powers that are at play right now and the things that are developing on so many different levels. You see, there's so much happening that it, it, it does kind of boggle my mind to put it into order. But the concept behind the trumping and the technocracy is, is is teaming up with big tech, teaming up with big business and all these other people and beginning to shift the people's opinion every single week, every single day to what they want, curating content so they can uh, control consciousness. You see, that's exactly what it is. And they're hoping that people don't have a memory and they're hoping that people can't put two and two together. And this is why they're trying to have people jump through so many hoops and why still to this day people have hardly any idea as to what's going on uh you know but i digress let's get into this stuff let's get into this so as i said before hillary clinton has been making news and whether or not people want to believe it she will run she's, she's going to run uh if she had I, I said somebody in the background has been quarterbacking the 20 different democrats that we see out there getting whittled down and as I said before, during those debates, and now as we as as they've made their 
step onto the stage. You're not meant to like any of these people. None of these people are meant to be permanent. None of these people are supposed to be memorable. None of these people are important. <laughs> it's what they represent that's important. It's the talking points that they're supposed to be injecting into the modern day conversation. And as I said before, we're not evil enough for Hillary Clinton. We're not. They had to gradually begin to inject all of the different views and all the different things that she stands for. The abortion, from, from the abortion to the immigration. And, I, and, I, and I'm not knocking any of these things because it requires a real, a real level-headed approach. But what I'm trying to really get everybody to understand is that this approach towards these topics is being forced onto us. These ideas are not our own. These are issues that we're going to be faced with, and we're having people manipulate your position, you know, create your consent, so that you feel like, hey, these are these are the views that I want. These are the, hey, oh wow, these are the views that Hillary Clinton has. Wow, why don't why don't I just join up with her? Because well, yeah, right. We've been saying f Trump for the past few years. Why not just be with her? That's right together with her and is that not what she wants exactly so you have to understand the the sophisticated trickery that involves hillary clinton uh, but let me play for you guys this quick video of uh a clip that popped up earlier this week it's of hillary clinton at at, at, a, at a speech a revolutionary hall in portland on this past saturday uh somebody asks the question or at least shouts it out saying that you that she should run let me play for you guys this quick article this this quick clip it says Hillary laughs with delight after audience member suggests she runs for president. Let's take a listen. To vote for them. So can we talk about that? Yeah. No, look, all that matters is that we win. I hate to, I hate to be so, you know, sort of simplistic about it. We have to nominate the, you know, the best. <laughs> Well, thank you, thank you. I, I, I just, I just, I just feel so strongly that, look. And in the full clip, you know, the the presentator asks Hillary Clinton. She's like, "Hey, I like all these these candidates. You know, even even rhymes with never running, Elizabeth Warren, never running, or whatever she said. They have all kinds of code names for how they they communicate with which uh, person they're voting for. And then the presentator, she asks." Hillary Clinton, who she's going to vote for, and then as she begins to answer the question, somebody from the audience says, well, we should vote for you. And then she says, ha, 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 well, that's funny. Uh, but the reason I'm saying all this is because we're seeing her gradually get together and run. This is why she's making all the appearances. Uh, she actually has a campaign fund. She just hasn't publicly announced it. She's raising funds. She just hasn't publicly announced it. And so the whole point behind this is just for people to gradually begin to see her is as if she's the only titan that can take down Trump. This is why you see Trump constantly bringing her back up and I just I see that I see it already happening. They're teasing one another, they're saying, "Hey, come come get in the race, come get in the race. We would love it." Things like this. Uh, and so this is why you're again, you're this is why you're going to hear the next clip where you hear where you hear Hillary Clinton saying that Tulsi Gabbard is a Russian asset. This is why you see her kind of again getting people to get with her it's not really about having political views or working together it's about fully aligning themselves with hillary clinton and everything she stands for they're also going to do third party and i'm not making any predictions 
but I think they've got their eye on somebody who's currently in the Democratic <laughs> primary and are grooming her to be the third party candidate. Mm -hmm. She's a favorite of the Russians. They have a bunch of sites and bots and other ways of supporting her mm -hmm. so far. And that's assuming Jill Stein will give it up, which she might not because she's also a Russian right. uh, asset. Yeah. yeah, she's a Russian asset. I mean, totally. And so they know they can't win without a third party candidate. And so I don't know who it's going to be, but I will guarantee you they'll have a vigorous third party challenge in the key states that they most need it. So there you have it. Hillary Clinton just literally labeling everybody a Russian asset. You know, if every, everybody's a Russian asset. Everybody's working for the Russians. Does that mean that Joe Martino of Collective Evolution works for the, for, the, for, for the Russians? Because he just put out an article that says Tulsi Gabbard just called Hillary Clinton the embodiment of corruption and so much more. He's just reporting on what Tulsi Gabbard said. She says, great, thank you, Hillary Clinton. You're the queen of warmongers, the embodiment of corruption, and the personification of the rot that has sickened the Democratic Party for so long. Have finally come out from behind the curtain from the day I announced my candidacy. There has been a concerted campaign to destroy my reputation. We wondered who was behind it and why. Well, now we know. It was always you. Through your proxies and powerful allies in the corporate media and the war machine, afraid of those that I, uh, afraid of the threat I pose. It's not clear that the primary is between you and me. Don't cowardly hide behind your proxies. Join the race directly. So there you go. You have Tulsi Gabbard calling out Hillary Clinton. That's right. Because it's, it's, it's a dog and pony show. It is a dog and pony show. But they said the 2016 presidential elections, that was some of the most political, that was the worst, the most modern political upset, right? They said that it was it was the most devastating political upset. That's why we have all these people screaming at the top of their lungs. No, orange man, bad. This is why you have people uh, uh, developing de de uh, developing these weird phobias, having these anxiety classes. Uh, I can't. I, can't uh, I don't want to tell you what event I went to earlier this year. But, you know, there were people who there who had said that they were essentially went to support groups and uh, mental health groups saying that they felt felt fear once Trump was elected. Um, and this is all over the country. We still have people dealing with this today. And the, the point I'm trying to say with all this stuff is it's the biggest political upset. Right. And we're seeing people get charged up even more and more today. Even more. Offer what? Offer politics. Offer everything that I had mentioned beforehand at the start of the show. Due to the restructuring that is taking place, people thinking that politics is going to save them instead of them pulling themselves up from their bootstraps and doing it themselves, changing their own their own lifestyle and spending habits and their own patterns. They think that government's going to save them. This is why they want free education, free health care, free, uh, uh, free, free housing, free everything, all provided by the government. This is, and it's, and it's crazy to me to see this. Uh, but uh, the biggest political upset in modern history, the election of Donald Trump, and all these people don't really put forth any real topics or real uh, uh, campaigns or anything worth value. Like, there's nothing that, 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 that makes these people memorable or stands out or remarkable or anything that actually makes me want to have hope that they're going to take the country in the right direction. It's all angst. 
It's all viciousness. It's all those political vendettas that we had talked about in previous episodes and so much more. It's not, it's not building your nation up. It's not helping your fellow countrymen or helping your fellow neighbor. It's, it's none of these things. It's just passivity, submission. And that's what's dangerous about it, but an, but an emotional submission. But, but think about this. This is where we're at today. People want the embodiment of corruption with all the stuff that she's got her fingers in. They want Hillary Clinton to run us. And that to me is just crazy. But another thing that hardly got any attention again, since we're talking about some of these big name politicians, these people that have been out there, uh, is that Obama and Alexander Soros have teamed up to raise cash for Democrat redistricting. This, put, this was put up by Baxter Dimitri of your Newswire. They put this up October 22nd. It says, Former President Obama will headline a fundraiser to raise cash for the National Democratic Redistricting Committee at, Alexander, at Alex Soros's New York mansion on Monday, according to the politics, or t- according to Politico. According to Obama, quote, the movement for fair maps will determine the course of progress on every issue we care about for the next decade. Also expected to attend the NDRC event are the group's founder and chairman, former Attorney General Eric Holder, and former Virginia Governor and CNN commentator or contributor Terry McAuliffe. Founded in 2016, the NDRC is a super PAC aimed at positioning Democrats favorably in the round of redistricting after the 2020 census. Breitbart reports earlier this year, Obama's political advocacy group, Organizing for Action, folded itself into Holder's group and launched a campaign called All on the Line, aimed at promoting redistricting reform. In August, the group unveiled another initiative, Redistricting You, that saw activists provide free training and tools to volunteer involved in redi- to, vol- to volunteers involved in redistricting efforts and guided and guide groups on how to quote be leaders in the movement for fair maps. Quote, training is at the heart of the organiza- at the organizing. It's why I've always made it a priority for my 2008 campaign until now. Obama wrote in a tweet announcing the effort, which is part of the quote on which is part of the the all-on-the-line campaign, the movement for fair maps will determine the course of progress on every issue we care about for the next decade. So essentially what they're saying is they're trying to get people more fired up for the the 2020 elections. They They want to get people more aware, more fired up. You have Alexander Soros and Barack Obama teaming up to basically raise money for more Democrats. That's, that's, that's basically what's going on. They're trying to get more people fired up saying, hey, you need to pay attention. We're going to do these things. We're gonna, we're gonna, we are going to get ready. We are going to take it back over. And I remember talking about this too in relation to Texas. This is why you see Texas going blue. Uh, it, this is, you, you, you see in Texas go blue for a number of reasons because a lot of people are leaving California and they're going to Texas. But you're seeing Texas being turned blue for a lot of reasons, and that's why we try to look at it through so many different ways. Uh, is because this redistricting, this redistricting, is more than just that. Not only, not only getting people fired up to vote, uh, but also knowing what areas to to put to put migrants and new voters and so much more. So yeah, that's a very real thing that people need to pay attention to. And because we are essentially just a year away from 2020 from the 2020 elections you know next month is is november and then a year after that you know we're gonna november is gonna run up on us again we're gonna be in election time and it's gonna be go time and we're gonna be in a completely different country by that time frame you see uh but since we're talking about obama hillary redistricting and so much more i figured it was only appropriate for us to talk about 
one of the persons that helped take it home for the 2016 elections, Julian Assange. He hasn't really been getting a whole lot of attention. Donald Trump, <laughs> Donald Trump has left Julian Assange out to dry. Donald, Julian Assange helped Trump get elected. And he and, and Julian Assange is essentially rotting in prison. We haven't heard anything about that. They're feeding him all kinds of psychotropic drugs. They're doing all kinds of torturous things to him. And this is all because of the elections. That's what's crazy, too. He gave us access to Hillary's emails. That's how we figured out about the spirit cooking. About the hot dogs and the hot tubs and the walnut sauce. And the sketchy things that these people are involved in. The pedophilia with John Podesta. The Podesta brothers, their artwork, all their sketchy stuff. It was because of Julian Assange looking into Hillary's emails. And we don't hear a word about him now. Now, these days, all we hear about is, 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 is Hillary Clinton said this. Donald Trump said this. So-and-so said this. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Drama, drama, drama. These are the unsung heroes and the casualties of war that people don't really talk about. But let me get into this real quick. This is from John Vives. They put this up October 22nd They've over there at the Minds Unleashed. It says, Julian Assange, Julian Assange tells court he is, quote, unable to think due to treatment in prison. Embattled WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange appeared in the London court this week to fight this impending extradition to the United States as a group of supporters gathered outside to protest his incarceration. Assange made his case before District Judge Vanessa Barrister, arguing that his charges should be considered a political offense, a designation that would prevent his extradition. In his testimony to the court, Assange said that he can't think properly and his conditions in prison have prevented him from organizing a case in his defense. Quote, I can't research anything in prison. I can't access any of my writing. It's very difficult to, it's very, it's very difficult where I am to do anything, he said. This is not equitable What's happening here? He added. His attorney, Mark Summers, QC, called the charges against Assange a, quote, concerted and avowed drive to escalate its, escalate its existing war on whistleblowers to encompass investigative journalists. Our case is that it is a political task or a political attack to signal to journalists the consequences of publishing classified information. Summers also noted that the evidence has come forward that a Spanish security firm called Undercover Global was spying on Assange for the United States. The American state has been actively engaged in intruding on privileged discussions between Assange and his lawyers. Summers said, pointing to the evidence that Assange has had all of his communications monitored over the past several years, he even mentioned, quote, hooded men breaking into my lawyer's offices, my lawyer's offices. There have also been concerns that his health is deteriorating while in custody. During the hearing this week, Assange appeared thin, pale, and generally in bad condition. He reported even though had he reportedly even had trouble recalling his birthday when asked by the court. Wow. Barrister Greg Barnes, who acts as one of Assange's Australian advisors, told ABC Radio that it is currently impossible for Assange to put together a legal defense for himself under these conditions. So think about that. While Hillary Clinton's over here basically thinking about running again, they're pulling whistleblowers out of nowhere for Donald Trump, saying that they're about to expose him. And the king of whistleblowers, the person that's allowing for whistleblowers to safely go someplace, is being tortured. Being tortured. Tortured for telling the truth. As I said before, in an empire of lies, truth is treason. Truth 
is terrorism. And truth is exactly what they want to criminalize. They don't want people to be able to think for themselves. They don't want to, they don't want an informed, awake, and active population. They want you dumbed down, confused, insecure, and in doubt, scared. This is why they're taking champions like Julian Assange and treating him the way they are, removing him, removing the influence of him, criminalizing even the idea of speaking out. That's what I'm telling you. Donald Trump hung Julian Assange out to dry. He used him. He used him to, to gain leverage against Hillary Clinton. And when Julian Assange needed Trump most, Trump basically disavowed him. That's crazy to me. They, he left him to rot in prison. Tortured, essentially. Unable to think. Now think about this. Because we're about to switch gears to, to, to China. And then we'll, we'll bop back to Trump. But think about this. Unable to think. How much work has Julian Assange done? This is just, this is just what I can recall. How his work through, uh, through, the, through, through the Podesta emails and Hillary Clinton's emails and so much more. This is just what I'm able to talk about, what his work has done. How much work has his whistleblowing done around the world? And let's think about this. What's the problem with whistleblowers? There should be none. These people are exposing the corruption within systems and institutions that require attention. Otherwise, the corruption continues. Isn't that what Carrie, Carrie Porch, the most recent CNN whistleblower, talked about? We played for you guys on, on the previous episode. Uh, the most recent CNN whistleblower, Kerry Porch, talking about their, their 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 bias and their vendetta against Trump, Trump and what he saw while working there. What's the problem with whistleblowers? All it does is confirm some of the public's suspicions and why these people and groups need to be held accountable. Uh, just the other week, we played for you the clip of uh, the 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 footage from that Planned Parenthood sting of the operations that go on there and how they traffic in body parts. We need this level of veritas. We need this level of truth because it is the light that shines away, the darkness in the night. And if we don't have that, if we don't have truth, all we have is darkness. All we have is an authoritarian government where we have to believe all of the lies they perpetrate, their propaganda. Now let's switch gears real quick as we jump over here, because this is something that I'm 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 very very exci- not excited to cover, but I want to give just quick props to the good folks over there at Free Thought Project. This is by Jack Burns for covering this, because Western media is has been silent as China has begun enslaving their citizens in, in concentration camps and demolishing churches. They call them thought transformation centers. We've covered them over here on the page and on the show. We have footage of them detaining Muslims and taking them to either execution or to these re-education camps. We've talked about China literally demolishing churches, ripping up graveyards, tearing coffins out of the ground, burning buildings, burning Bibles. We've talked about them installing uh, Communist, China, Communist Party officials inside of churches to make sure that people preach communist appropriate Christianity. We've talked about President Xi Jinping literally replacing the Ten Commandments with quotes from him. This is an epidemic. And so when you have just last week with LeBron James talking talking about something he has no knowledge of, he shouldn't be doing that. But that this is why the people of Hong Kong don't even want to they don't 
They're not trying to work with China like that. They don't want that Chinese money. They don't want that Chinese influence. This is why they have that American lifestyle over there. Why they, why they appreciate that. Because over here in mainland China, they will arrest you. And to use the words of Kerry Wedler of the anti-media, the most dangerous religion is statism. Is the worship of government. Because they will do things just like this. They will demolish your faith. That means nothing to them. There is no religion other than the state in China. You will worship nothing other than the dictator Xi Jinping. This is why Hong Kong protesters were wearing Xi Jinping's face uh, photoshopped to look like Winnie the Pooh because they banned Winnie the Pooh over there. And so what I'm what I'm what I'm really trying to taunt you guys about is something that that I I, I had a revelation, ironically enough, thinking about you know in China, Chinese Christians probably think that it is uh, the end times. Because they have the mark of the beast, they have the social credit score system, you have them tearing down churches, persecuting Christians, right? I'm sure to, I'm sure to Chinese Christians, it seems like the end times, because you have this level of chaos going on. But you won't hear a word out of it over here in Western media. You won't hear, a wor- you won't hear LeBron James say anything about that. There's a video going on right now, where at his most recent game... You have the people singing the American National Anthem. Well, I, 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 I forget the name right now. God dang it. Of course I would. You, and and instead, of, instead of them singing the National Anthem, LeBron James takes off his shirt and just, or takes off his, his, uh, his hoodie. And he's just like, let's go. And just shouts. Interrupts the whole thing. Stops the singing just to stay. Let's play. And and this is what's getting crazy about it because there was an article earlier this week that came out where where people in China said criticizing LeBron James is racist, and so now you have this this weird collaboration that's going on, to where we where we really do have to talk about the power that China is flexing, how they do own some of the production crop, the the, the, the production houses, uh, and Hollywood theater or Hollywood uh, uh, movie creators out there. They are we have been infiltrated. And that's that's something people really don't want to talk about. But I come at it from this from the religious angle, from the spiritual aspect of it. You should be able to have God in China. You should be able to. Like, and this is the crazy thing too. Oh gosh, I I, I I tripped out because China's invested right over there in Africa. I think in in, in South Africa they said they wanted to start uh, exterminating Christians or removing Christian beliefs because they they considered it part of foreign interference or foreign policy interference, or some crazy nonsense. So what I'm really trying to say on so many different levels about China, and what I'm sure this article will detail, if you guys go look at it, right now this video has 37,000 views, all kinds of, it has thousands of likes on the page. I would definitely recommend you guys go look at it. But what I'm trying to say in so many different choice words, guys, is that China is literally, it's, it's removing that Western influence. It's saying you're going to be communist or not. We, we will kill you. On so many different levels, these people are trying to. They're they're they are the true nationalists. They are they are a homogenous people. They do not accept any other influence. They are the model for the future. And 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 having a religion, having something else that tells you what to do, does not work for them. You will only believe in communist party ideologies. This is why this is so crazy. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get into a little bit of this, and then we'll we'll, we'll get into Trump. Uh, saying he was going to get out of Syria, but let me get into this first. 
it says millions of Americans are about to be celebrating Christmas season, not being fully aware just how anti-religion and anti-spiritual the People's Republic of China actually is. Not only do they persecute Christians and demolish their houses of worship, but they force innocent people into slave labor making Christmas lights for 10 hours a day in what can be referred to as a black site concentration camp. Or sweatshops. You name it, because there can't you tell China is the pinnacle of human rights? Continuing on, it says, In a disturbing article from Haaretz this month, Saya Ragul Sayyipeh, a Muslim woman in Kazakh de, of, of Kazakh descent, detailed her story of escaping one of these concentration camps in which gang rapes, torture, murder, and medical experiments were daily activities. Satabay describes being forced to witness a gang rape while at the camp. A young woman, she says, was forced to disrobe after being forced to confess her sins in front of around 200 prisoners. The young woman was then raped by several police officers, Satabay said. Quote, while they were raping her, they checked to see how we were reacting. People who turned their head or closed their eyes, and those who looked away or looked angry or shocked, were taken away, and we never saw them again. There were also medical experiments performed on the prisoners, according to Haaretz. They were forced to take pills and were given shots, but were not told the truth about the medical procedures. Some who were subjected to them report impotence and cognitive decline, according to the reporting in Haaretz and the, and the Believer. I just have to stop right there. This is exactly why the people of Hong Kong had turned the Chinese flag into a swastika. Because this is something that the Nuremberg... This is why Nazis went to jail and got hung and killed and executed. Because this is a violation of the Nuremberg Treaty. You cannot be... You can't treat people like this. <laughs> oh, but I forgot. We were talking about China. Human rights is... You just get out of here with all that. Continuing on, it says, while this is taking place in secret, the government has no problem openly persecuting religions. In May of this year, the Chinese government in the Hubei province forced the, forced the True Jesus Church to remove the Chinese signs reading True Jesus Church or face the demolition of their houses of worship, their churches. Later in June, the government followed through on its promise to demolish churches who would not comply. Acceptance of the church as an official de denomination of Christianity, goes all the way back to the 20th century when the church was established in China. So just think about that. You, you really truly are not allowed to have any other religion than the state. You bet better worship nothing other than Xi Jinping. You better not do anything other than have Communist Party values. Because as I've talked about with you good people time and time again, spirituality... And having a religion is the, is the highest form of revolution. These people are megalomaniac, authoritarian, control freaks trying to tell you what to do. Fascists are just a cool and edgy way to give them the label. These, are, these, these, these people are evil. These are psychopaths, sociopaths. You have, you've got to be crazy to run the country. It trumps a sociopath too. Don't, don't worry. Heck yeah, egomaniac, you betcha. You have to be to literally to, to literally run all of this, to do all these things. But sometimes these people are not benevolent. And, the, and again, the days that we're entering into, it, it, it really does require a different approach towards things. And so they don't want dissent. They don't want dissidents. Nope. And, and that, that's scary to me. 
because I I guess I just think about these thought concentration camps, what they were talking about with these these uh, these these human experiments. You know, they can breathe some of this stuff out of you. And we've talked to, we've we've played for you guys too how they're already tracking children's brain activity in China, specifically in China. Like they're doing that. And it just I just get this image uh, at these thought transformation camps of them forcing these people to take shots and take pills to where they begin to breed out this this weird this to 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 breed out dissidents to breed out like people fighting back. As crazy as all this sounds, guys, you really do have to understand the days that we're in and why this stuff is so crazy because it's as much as we want to think that it's 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 not real and that it's not happening, it it clearly is on so many levels too, and that's that's what blows my mind. It gets hardly any attention that the the demolishing of churches, the torture of, of political dissidents, the harvesting of organs, the 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 reeducation, the human experiments, and this is what this is this is what they want to come to America. This is what they're signing us up for. This is what certain aspects and certain elements of our government and our, polit- and our political body are aligning themselves up with. Wasn't it Hillary Clinton who begged the Chinese to hack Donald Trump's emails? They said, oh, doing like a tongue-in-cheek, word-for-word play on him, saying "Wouldn't it, was sure, it would sure be nice, and she would reward them uh, mightily, I'm sure our media would reward us mightily if the Chinese looked into Donald Trump's emails. Like, this is what's crazy. So it's not the Russians. Again, and this is what's crazy. I didn't hear the Russians telling us that we couldn't criticize them. I heard the Chinese say that we couldn't criticize them. I heard LeBron say, hey, we shouldn't criticize the Chinese. I didn't hear anything. It's not the Russians doing this. So Hillary Clinton saying it's the Russians, it's the Russians, it's the Russians, it's the Chinese. They're trying to pivot that. <laughs> you see, classic misdirect, classic redirect right there. Just, you know, deflect, deflect attention, deflect, deflect. That's all it is. Because it's deception, it's manipulation. And so to end this segment off, while we're talking about gearing up for political unrest, we're going to finish it off talking about uh, Iraq, Syria, the, the endless wars that we're in and so much more. Uh, this is just what's what's mind-boggling. We were we were told that we we're going to get out of Syria, that we we're going to get out of Iraq, and yet here we are, still, uh, essentially, almost 20 years later, after 9/11, people don't understand why they're in these wars. The suicide rates within active duty, within military, even today, it's up, and yet we're still about to go to these useless wars R- right here. Uh, this is from the Free Thought Project. It says, as Trump claims he's bringing home bringing soldiers home, the DoD chief says. Troops are shifting to Iraq. Do a quick news blitz. It says residents of Syria pelt pelt departing U.S. troops, and they have little boys right there throwing rocks at the Trump at the trucks as they as they wipe away or as they drive away. It says Trump may leave small garrison of U.S. troops to guard Syrian oil fields. This is from Zero Hedge, and it says Trump is not bringing the troops home. Trump is not bringing the troops. Home. President Trump constantly says he's pulling the U.S. out of these endless wars in the Middle East, but now the Defense Secretary announced U.S. forces leaving Syria are going to go to Western Iraq, which for years have been far more dangerous war zone. So and I'll play for you guys that quick clip, and then we'll get back into this article, or we'll get into this article attached with it. 
It says, it's official. Trump says the U.S. is keeping Syria's oil secured by a small number of troops. And we're having audio issues, of course. protecting it. Let me, let me get that back up for you guys. It says, it's official. Trump says U.S. This says that the U.S. is keeping Syria's oil secured by a small number of troops. We've secured the oil, and therefore a small number of U.S. troops will remain in the area where they have the oil. And we're going to be protecting it, and we'll be deciding what we're going to do with it in the future. In any event... By the moves that we've made, we're achieving a much more peaceful and stable area. We've secured the oil. Which means we're staying in Syria. We're staying strictly for the oil. It's like in Afghanistan, we're standing, we're standing there for the poppy seeds so they can send it back over to make the opioids that kill us. Yeah, we're staying in Syria for the oil. Let me get into this article right here. It comes up from, uh, from the Zero Hedge. They put this up October 23rd. It's by Tyler Durden. It says, now, it says, quote, now we're getting out. Let someone else fight over this long, blood-stained sand. President Trump said during a major unannounced speech from the White House declaring America's, quote, big success in Syria. As we predicted, he confirmed the U.S. is, quote, getting out, but it's not quite the reality. Because he also confirmed, quote, a small number of American troops will stay in Syria to protect oil in the region. Well, we have secured the oil and therefore a small number of U.S. troops will remain in the area where they have the oil, Trump said. Quote, and we're going to be protecting it and we'll be deciding what we're going to do with it in the future. But of course, this oil belongs to the Syrian state and its people. As former top White House Syria and Iraq envoy Brent McGurk stated bluntly this week, quote, oil, like it or not, is owned by the Syrian state. Trump also acknowledged during the Wednesday televised address in a rare reference to the past to the past White House policy that Obama embarked on a, quote, failed regime change bid in Syria, which morphed into a nightmarish war, taking 500,000 lives. Currently, even amid a U.S. troop pullback in, north, in, in the north, American special forces and Kurdish-led SDF forces remain in control of the key oil and gas infrastructure in, their Deir, in the Deir Ezzor region, east of the Euphrates. The major oil and gas fields in the eastern region, such as Al-Omar, Kanako Field, and Rumelian Field remain Syria's only significant domestic energy access. Perhaps this policy of, quote, we're keeping the oil will at least dispel among the public and the media that Washington's actions in the Middle East are somehow noble. Clearly, at the end of the day, it appears more simply as just naked U.S. imperialism bent on economic strangulation of the Syrian people in order to bend Damascus to the Americas' will. But there's always a fig leaf justification concocted. In this case, it was expressed by the Secretary of Defense yesterday. Quote, Esper said the main goal of leaving some troops around the oil field will, will be to make, the sh to make sure Islamic State doesn't gain control of the revenue they generate. The Associated Press reported. So basically, we're staying in Syria. We're staying there for the oil. The sad part is, and I think this is the only kernel of truth, that can, the only good that can come from it, the sad part is, is at least we're being honest. And saying, hey, we're staying there for the oil. We're not staying there for noble reasons like regime change or nation building or delivering democracy or, sta or stabilizing the area. No, we're staying there for the oil. And that's the sad part. Because these people, these people at the top, they worship God. They worship guns, oil, and drug. 
They don't, they don't worship us. They don't worship nobility. They worship the resources. And it's that oil. It's that black gold, baby. And that's what they want. And that's what I'm trying to tell you about. That's what I mean by gearing up for political unrest. Because we're about to have a whole another four years of craziness. If you think the country looks crazy now, imagine where we're going to be just next year, right around voting time. And then who we're going to inherit. I don't want to talk too much about that, but I just want to leave it on that. Where are we going? And what is the point of all this chaos? From Hillary Clinton thinking she's going to start getting back into the political race to Julian Assange, the king of whistleblowers, essentially being blacklisted and removed from Western media and even Western media ignoring the fact that religion is being destroyed right in front of their eyes. Prophecy, the days of prophecy, literally unfolding in front of us and all we can do is swipe by it. That's why this is crazy. Because people need an effective outlet to express themselves and you can see them clamping down on that ability. But here's what's going to happen, gang. We're going to take a quick break and while we're talking about all this war talk, we're going to come back talking about Navy patents of like UFO stuff, China's version, uh, an invisibility cloak, actual witches trying to cast a binding spell on Trump, and so much more. As I said before, NBC News promoting getting a microchip, and so many other things. The world we're really moving into is crazy. Evolving warfare is next. Ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. This is Freedom Faction on Factions of Freedom, and we'll be right back right after this.
And we are back. Final segment. Yeah, this episode was a little. It, it's a little bit. This episode, this episodes, and other like it are getting a little bit different, and I mean that in a good way, because sometimes different is needed. Yeah, we can fall off the bender. Yeah, we can be a little crazy. Yeah, we go pretty far out there for sure, dude. <laughs> for sure, bro. But it's also good to come back down and really look at what's happening. Why are these things happening? And what will come of it? And it's also good to get super real because the next few episodes we're going to be doing are going to be pretty crazy too. They're going to be out there. Uh, we need, we're, we're, we're going to switch up. Because these days are getting so crazy, it's imperative that we do switch up. You know, I think about this. I, I think about a lot of different things, as you guys can tell, with the show format. And that's why I'm always trying to figure out a way to, you know, weave certain topics together to have people see certain things. You know, but I, I, I realize that the, the more intense and surreal sometimes life is becoming, the only way sometimes, not necessarily to escape it, but to confront it is to go within that inner space to really do the inner work. Uh, the exterior is, is, is definitely very real. But it's, again, how you let all this stuff r affect you and how you reflect upon it that really dictates the actions that you do take. And whenever they have us really just kind of looking at our phones, acting as if these things don't affect us and if the, as if they aren't real, we become desensitized. Uh, we, we, we become apathetic. We don't really become sympathetic. We don't become compassionate, understanding, you know. It's like, you know, the idea of like a child having cancer back in the day, you would have doctors come from all over the world to study it because it was such a phenomenon, you know, and, and it would be the talk of the town for years or for months at least. These days we hear about a kid having cancer, we hardly even like the picture. We, we hardly even take the time to like scroll past and, you know, recognize that, hey, this kid's in serious pain, like. The least you could do is give it a light to raise awareness like about it. We don't even do that. So think about the type of about the type of world that is, to where you don't we don't really even care. And so they're robbing us of these very natural human, this 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 very natural human thing. And that's just it's almost mind blowing. It's a little scary. You know. Again, I just I think about the future. I think about the world they're having us create now. I think about what they're trying to have us think of as important and what we already thought was important. You know, like, you know, like I like to, I like, sometimes I like to just go to like, you know, not, sometimes I like to go to schools and talk to people and just hang out, you know, and just get a vibe for how people think. Uh, and, you know, I like being around that aroma of betterment, of knowledge, of wisdom and you know, higher learning, higher mental faculties. Not, I'm not there for politics. I'm there to like really converse with people and see where the kids are these days. Um, see where see where their heads are at. How many people care about politics? How many people actually have a future? You know, if they're believing all this nonsense and stuff like this. But I like just the general idea of being around people that want to be better, because that's what humanity is. The the the, the seeking after of knowledge, the seeking after of truth, and of, of wanting to be a better individual and improve yourself. That's what we should be doing. And on our phones, it's just it's created something to where people really have become disconnected, uh, and it's it's very sad to see, truly, very very sad to see. And so I say all that to say this: if you want to learn to program yourself, if you want to learn to think for yourself, you have to learn how to recognize the things that are 
that, that are influencing you. And you either have a choice to let them influence you or you begin to influence yourself. And with what we're doing, with the information overload, with where things are at these days, there are people tuning out and they don't understand how that's the point. They want to make people feel helpless. They want more of that apathy. They need drones. They don't need an informed, awake, and active population. People who want to pull themselves up by their bootstraps, who want to be the architects of their future. They don't need that. What they need are slaves. That's why they want to make scarcity cool. That's why, they want, that's why they're in, instituting all this minimalist nonsense. Uh, I digress. You know, let, let, let's get into this. Just understand that there is more to you and there's more to this world than you think. And if you let other people tell you about your genius, instead of you discovering it and sharing it with others, all you do is diminish yourself. But let's get into this topic, or, uh, evolving warfare. Now, we had left off the previous segment talking about Donald Trump saying that, well, we're, <laughs> we're, staying, in, we're staying in Syria for the oil. We left off with that. War talk, endless wars, because we're, we're moving into those days. So we're going to pick up this segment with a little bit of a twist, evolving warfare, because there's so many different battle spaces, you know. Obviously, these endless wars that will continue to take place, uh, the domestic unrest that'll, that, that is the, the domestic and civil unrest that we see bubbling underneath the surface, but as well as the spiritual warfare, right? There's, there's, a, there's a lot of different wars being fought. Hearts and minds. In the body, in the soul, in the mind, and all of it. There's a, there, there truly is a war against consciousness. There's a war against the individual. There's so many different types of things happen. But I think the best way to intro into this is talking about this right here. How the Navy, have patented, how, how the Navy patented a UFO-like compact nuclear fusion reactor in hybrid space and sea crafts. So, so this is what I mean by the Space Force, basically. This is by Jake Anderson of the Minds Unleashed. They put this up October 18th. It says, A mysterious set of patents filed, by the recent, filed recently by a U.S. Navy researcher has caught the eyes of technologists and conspiracy theorists alike. These patents describe exotic technologies that do not exist in commercial or military shapes, as far as we know, and that usually only surface in UFO lore including high-energy electromagnetic force fields, revolutionary propulsion systems, and a hybrid aerospace underwater craft. The newest patent is for a practical research or a practical fusion reactor that could be stored in an aircraft to help achieve unimaginable speeds and maneuverability. The mystery around these patents continues to grow during a time in which the Navy and State Department have stunningly reversed their decades-old policy of not acknowledging UFO sightings. The Naval, Air, the Naval Air Warfare Center Aircraft Division is home of the high-level Navy research, the equally mysterious Salvatore Cesar Pais, who in recent years has filed patents for supposedly operable revolutionary technologies, such as a room-temperature superconductor huh, and a high-energy electric, high electromagnetic field generator. Perhaps the most surprising patent comes concerns the, the hybrid aerospace underwater aircraft or underwater craft, which can supposedly navigate with equal position through space, air, and water with no heat signature, and, quote, engineer the fabric of our reality at the most fundamental level. In the patents filed, Pius has revealed that, that Chinese scientists are already way ahead of U.S. of United States scientists in such fields. And I'll play for you guys a quick video after this, too, that shows that some of this stuff is operational. Uh, 
It says the reason this is a shocking admission is because, is because military personnel, Navy officers, and air pilots have for years reported USOs, unidentified submerged objects that seem to fly in and out of the sea at incompreh- incomprehensible speeds. The newest patent teases the discovery of the holy grail of energy production, the long-sought nuclear fusion reactor, which could revolutionize life on Earth and creating a sustainable long-term fuel source and reduce radioactive waste and greenhouse gas emissions. So that's right. The Space Force, we're in those days. We're gradually rolling out from the military-industrial complex all the stuff that they've air-quote reverse-engineered or whatever the black-budget secret space program, whatever it's created, they're rolling that out to you now. And I think that's crazy because literally just last week, or at least the week after, the week before that, there was an article that came out from Zero Hedge that, that, that showed a Chinese flying saucer attack helicopter. And for our audio listeners, you guys can't see it, but it looks like your archetypal UFO, your archetypal flying saucer. It's from the Global Times. Uh, somebody over there actually got a got, got a got a video of it, but it looks like your archetypal UFO. You know, and if people who study UFOs are familiar with what the Hanebu looks like, it looks like that. October 16th from Zero Hedge. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's a Chinese flying saucer attack helicopter. Earlier this month, the Chinese unveiled hypersonic weapons and unmanned platforms at a military parade in Beijing on October 1st. The one piece of military hardware that the People's Liberation of China, uh, the People's Liberation Army didn't unveil was an attack helicopter that resembled a flying saucer. The super great white shark, as what the Global Times is calling the flying spaceship, measuring 25 feet long and 10 feet high, and was exhibited at the 5th Chinese Helicopter Exposition in Tianjin, a major port city in northeastern China, late last week. So that's right, they're rolling out flying saucers now, because that's where we're at. (laughs) Flying saucers, UFOs, that's what I mean by evolving warfare. Because this isn't done for commercial purposes. I'm not going to be able to fly in that Chinese flying saucer attack helicopter. No. That's for military purposes. That's what I mean by evolving warfare. They're going to automate everything else. Turn those babies into drones, UAVs, unmanned aerial aerial vehicles. Send Send those things out there. And just let everybody else operate from these UFOs that can move around in all these crazy speeds. Uh, just just imagine AI controlling fleets of stealth bombers. Or at least you in the background controlling the AI to just deploy all these types of things. They have to advance all this warfare, advance all this technology because, well, that's where we're going. With the announcement of the sixth branch of the military, the Space Force, with the announcement of that, we're going to begin to see all the rollout of this technology. And earlier this week on the Instagram Live that we did, if you guys paid attention, uh, towards the end of it, I got kind of crazy talking about Freemasonry, the Flat Earth, the Secret Space Program, Project Blue Beam, the False Flag Alien Invasion, and so much more, because they have these technologies. They have this stuff. And then, you know, if you guys became an exclusive member in part two, where I went into extreme depth about all I knew with the secret space program, exclusive members, you guys, you guys know, and for people that watch it live, you guys know, but for everybody that's listening now, if you want to get access to it, become an exclusive member, because this is where we're moving into. 
the Navy's filing patents for UFOs. Uh, they're, they're gradually talking about rolling out disclosure, exotic materials, exotic crafts, all this stuff. Asgardia, breakaway civilizations. I mean, what, just this week, I think, this, just this week, uh, more information came out from Jeff Bezos' Blue Origin. Right there, Bezos' Blue Origin teams with aerospace giant to build human lunar lander. Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon and space venture Blue Origin, unveiled plans on Tuesday for his company to work with, indus with industry giants Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman, and Draper to build a human-capable lunar landing system. We have put together a national team to go back to the moon, Bezos said, speaking at the 70th, the 70th International Aeronautical Congress in Washington, D.C. So there you have it. And the UFOs, those won't be for traveling to you know, to the moon, to Mars, Zeta Reticuli, Galaplaxius 9, whatever the other worlds we have these aliens, creatures coming from. It won't be for that. It'll be for terrestrial travel. You see. And if people, again, just want another rabbit trail to go down, go uh, to go look at, it was Admirable, Admiral Byrd, after he came back from one of his Antarctic trips, that said that we need to be able to fight something that's able to go from pole to pole in a matter of minutes. This is, this is like 60 years ago, 60, 70 years ago. And here we are, gradually unveiling these technologies from reverse-engineered crafts from God knows where. Whoever created them and how we have access to these technologies. This is what I mean by evolving warfare. But even that, you know, these it's these these UFOs, they're like this they're like the smartphones, they're like they're like the cell phones of technology. This this is all old. This is why they, they, there's that's why there's so much information surrounding UFOs. There's patents already. TR three Bs. We've had people on who are part of uh, that are, that are part of engineering at NASA. Um, but that's a different discussion for a different day. What I'm really trying to reiterate to you guys is we're in the days of that, of autonomous drones, of, of, of UFOs, of advanced technology, or at least what we think of as advanced in our, our perspective. There's even more stuff coming. We just have to hurry up and roll these things out. But this is the even crazier part because it has to be in alignment with Agenda 2030 and Agenda 2050. It'll be... Uh, it'll, it'll be greenhouse gas free like it won't put out any carbon it'll be like totally electric it'll it'll be it'll seem advanced but it'll be literally monitored and and, and modified for where we're going it sounds crazy but let me get back into some other crazy stuff that happened this week that requires our attention it seems like this canadian company has created the archetypal invisibility cloak so even more craziness even more craziness I'm going to read to you guys uh, this, 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 this video clip. It says, Harry Potter's invisibility cloak may be a step closer to becoming a reality. Manufacturer of hyper-stealth biotechnology has developed quantum stealth material. Ho, ho, ho. The paper-thin technology bends light around a target to make it move or vanish. And they have a little sheet right here that blocks this plane. Pretty cool. And it has been designed for use in war zones. Oh, of course. And so now they have a sheet blocking this little tank top. 
The Canadian company has been developing the technology for years. This guy just has like a plate that he walks around and carries, but has now only applied for patents on the tactical material. Hyperstealth says the material hides infrared, ultraviolet, and thermal signals, making it comprehensive, making it a comprehensive broadband invisibility cloak. So there you have it. UFOs, invisibility cloaks, hype super soldiers, and so much more. And that's where we are. <laughs> that's where we are. And so, even in our wildest dreams, we can still make beautiful things. Even during times of chaos like this, we can still make fantastic things. But it always leads me back to the question of, is that technology or is that weaponry? You see. But evolving warfare, think about that. Soldiers capable of hiding themselves right in front of you. All they'd have to do is just put on the material. I saw, uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, I don't know how, but I ended up watching the movie Hobbs and Shaw this week with, uh, with Jason Statham, Idris Elba, and The Rock. And in it, you know, it was the classic, it was the classic story between man and machine. You know, I don't want to give away any spoilers for people that haven't seen it, but, you know, it's the classic story between man and machine and how machine thinks it's the evolution of man when truly it's the de-evolution. And all these tools, all these, all these, these weapons, they will be our undoing. You see. But uh, since we're talking about magic and weaponry, invisibility cloaks, Harry Potter, and stuff like this, uh, well, check this out. It seems like there's going to be another ritual where we have actual witches that hunt Donald Trump with pre-Halloween binding spells. Huh. Huh, now how strange is that? How strange is that? Because I've, I've actually been talking, you know, a whole lot about these witches that bind Trump and the magic resistance, you know? The Satanists, the Luciferians, the occultists, and how they've increased in numbers. But this, uh, this other article <laughs> seems to have caught it. Uh, they put this up October 21st. It's from Zero Hedge. It says witches across the United States are preparing to cast a co or to cast a coordinated binding spell on President Trump on October 25th. Their third such attempt, according to the Boston Globe, the so-called quote magic resistance first sought to bind the president in 2017. Since 2017, I just thought I should let you guys know. For the past two years, I have been sitting over here saying this. And this is their third public attempt, I think is a better way to put it. Their third such public attempt. According to the Boston Globe, the so-called magic resistance first sought to bind the president in 2017. Since then, they have attempted to do the same to Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, as well as Hex the NRA. Quote, I'm willing to go on record and say, it's working. The spell's inventor, Michael Hughes, told the Washington, the Washington Examiner, quote, Knowing thousands of people are gathering together at the same time from all over the world to do this ritual, to put our beliefs and our desires into sharp focus, and to do that ritualistically, I think that has a really powerful effect. 
And as the Daily Caller reports, quote, the ingredients for, for the bonding include stuff that I'm not going to say here so that you can't go out and go practice it. But it says a la- last year, a group of real witches took umbrage with President Trump's repeated use of the term witch hunt to describe the Russia investigation. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you those materials so you, can, so you can't go out there and go practice them. But what I am trying to say is, this, is the very same thing that I discussed earlier this week on the Instagram Live. The same way that we know George Soros is funding groups like Antifa, Indivisible, Black Lives Matter, and so much more, there has to be somebody in the background behind, besides this Michael Hughes gentleman, who is, gentleman, person, guy, this dude that's out there organizing thousands of people to carry out these spells. When I'm telling you that there is an organized occult operation taking place, and that we have lemmings, Sheeps, people that have to be out there in the front, there has to be somebody in the back organizing all these things. Even when I was at my flag-waving march, and I told you good people that I saw that sign, hexafascist, I told you, look out for the organizers here. Who, who brought those things here? Who's whipping these people into a frenzy? That's what you have to be cautious about. Not necessarily the spells that they're casting. Pray up before you go into battle for sure. But at the same time, be aware of who your adversary is. Because check this out. And this, this literally comes on the heels of this. Of Ouija One of the, or better yet, the world's largest Ouija board. Those witches decided to go ahead and get together right after they declared, or better yet, right after the Satanic Temple created a new headquarters in Salem, Massachusetts. But just after the creation of the world's largest Ouija board. We made this spicy meme, and we'll put the link in the description bar below so you guys can get access to it. But it says, it's that time of year again. The leaves are falling, the temperatures are, co- are cooler, and with Halloween around the corner, things are getting weirder. Behind this, beyond the seemingly harmless spooky holiday decor, in and outside of many homes and stores, there are some spiritually dark things taking place as well like the record-breaking massive Ouija board in Salem, Massachusetts. Known for the infamous Salem witch trials, this year, a Ripley's Believe It or Not record has been set with the world's largest Ouija board that now sits in the Salem Common. And some people want to summon big spirits when using the board as a group. The large board is called Ouijazilla, and its ma- and its maker, Rock Amortis Shrek, <laughs> took a year to construct it. The occultic talking board said, quote, It is by far the largest board in the world. Ouijazilla is made of 99 sheets of plywood covered in 20 gallons of wood stain and paint. It measures 3,168 square feet, weighing over 9,000 pounds. Rick Shrek is the vice president of the Talking Board Society and received Hasbro Inc., who owns the copyright of the Ouija board, permission to make Ouijazilla. It is said to have over 300 personal talking boards and is wanting to increase the chances of communicating with the spirit realm by making boards and board animals and human bone, hair, and human ashes. He is currently working, he is currently waiting, wanting to make his dream board out of a black coffin. So remember what I was talking about by evolving warfare? Right? Because we wrestle not only against flesh, not only against flesh and blood, but against rulers of rulers and powers in high places. Who is out there constructing these, telling these people to construct these things, to do these things, to organize these type of operations, to focus this level of hatred? 
spiritually, mentally, emotionally, financially, culturally, who is forcing all these people to do these things? That's what people need to understand. That's what people really, truly need to understand. You know, I wanted to end this actual segment off talking about transhumanism, because again, that's a whole nother battle, right, that people need to be aware about. There was an article that came out this week, you know, about uh, AI, AI plants, can AI brain chips, can that, can that make you smarter? I think people understand it well. But this is, again, what I mean by the warfare, because you're not only having to fight against the spiritual, the spiritual warfare that's out there, you're having to fight against the, against the political warfare, the cultural warfare, the endless wars that are out there that affect your financial and your economic stability. There's so many other things that, that go with this. So you know what? I'm going to go ahead and play this. I'm going to go ahead and play the, the clip for you guys. It's, 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 not, uh, it's, it's, not, it's not the brain chips, but it's of NBC News promoting the convenience of getting a microchip in your hand. When Elias Broberger goes to work, he doesn't need ID, and he doesn't need money. In fact, much of what he needs to get through the day is hidden right there, just below the surface, in his hand. You want to touch it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, weird, yeah, it's like a grain of rice. Yeah, a grain of rice. Embedded in his hand is a microchip that serves as his keys, his ID, and his wallet. Yeah, it's all on chip, so I use it like to get around the building. Buy snacks. Yeah, exactly. Let's buy some snacks. Exactly. So I can't open it. No. Okay. So what I need to do is I need to first blip my chip, I need to log me in, mm -hmm. and from there I get access to the fridge. Popular TV shows like Black Mirror have imagined ships as part of a dystopian future. Install ingrained procedure with local anesthetic and you're good to go. In Sweden, the microchips are already here. The microchip implants use the same technology. Yep. Yep, and that, that's where we are. That's what I mean by evolving warfare. Better yet, eliminating all war so that we can just be the total slaves of this system. It's the final revolution as Aldous Huxley has said, the writer of the, the writer and creator of the Brave New World, we really have to understand the world that they're trying to create for us, gang. And that's why at this day and age of where we're at in this time and space in history, resistance to tyranny is like a must. They keep telling you that resistance is futile because they want you to give up. We have to retain humanity as much as we can. I ask you guys all the time random questions like this to make you start thinking of things in a completely different way. What, what, what values, what morals, what, what do we want to bring into this new world order? As you see them rationing up everything, overwhelming us as if we have no change, trying to automate humanity. They tell you that, that, the, that, that the future of humanity is over, that it's the beginning of the transhumans, that it's the evolution of humanity. That these are the architects of this future, that, the, that, 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 that there will only be transhumans in the technocracy. So again, I have to ask the questions of what values, what morals, what world do we want to create in this new world order that these people are trying to throw out there to us? Ladies and gentlemen, this is Restructuring Power, Gearing Up for Political Unrest, and Evolving Warfare. Different days, different days, that's for sure. However, my friends, 
that's all I really have for you guys and gals. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I also hope you enjoy these next few. You still have time to submit your episode or submit your stories for the paranormal perspective. Also, make sure you check out the episode we did with Carolina Rocha of Sunlight Nutrition. That link will be in the description bar below, as well as the mini-cast we did earlier this week. And remember, guys and gals, stay vigilant out there. Expose lies and share truth. This is Noise Era, Freedom Faction, out. Thank you.